Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Colleen McKenna of Intero Advisory in Baltimore. Intero Advisory is a firm that specializes in helping companies unlock the power of LinkedIn. In this episode, we learn more about the firm and how Colleen stumbled into this business 11 years ago while launching another consulting service. Colleen also has a podcast that she started in 2019 and has released nearly 50 episodes. We talked about why she launched her podcast, lessons she has learned, and things she would have done differently if she started today. She shared some great tips for lessons she's learned over the past two years in nearly 50 episodes. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great ideas, lessons, and tips for launching and maintaining a successful podcast. And even if you're not interested in having a podcast, Colleen's deep insight into unlocking the power of LinkedIn will be useful to any entrepreneur. Now, let's get to the show. Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, David. So I have been looking forward to this interview since I first spoke to you. So let's let's get started. Is it pronounced Intero Advisory? It is. Okay. And so I believe you started that about 10 years ago. And the purpose of the business is to unlock the power of LinkedIn. You're in Baltimore area. So what? tell us the backstory. What does the name mean or where did it come from? And did you want to have a LinkedIn consultancy like from the time you were a small child or is this a <laughs> something that developed later in life? I'm going to go with later in life. So okay. I was a very early um, adopter of LinkedIn. I've always been in B2B business development and I was working for a content publishing company in the Baltimore area. I was like, hmm, what's this thing called LinkedIn? This is probably 2005 and tried to figure it out. And at that point, really very few people knew what was knew what to do on LinkedIn. And then I moved over to a pretty large printing um, company in the DC area and I was running a sales team. And I started to think about how we could actually leverage networks in a more strategic way, especially for, I was bringing up salespeople that had never sold before. They were recent graduates. And I started to tap into LinkedIn and really encourage them to build their network. And they ended up selling more new business than the experience team combined. So, Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, and this was probably 2010. So I went off on my own in 2011 I was a HubSpot reseller. I love HubSpot. I love content. I love the automation. And yet people started asking me about LinkedIn. Hey, can you show us how to use LinkedIn? And I started doing a lot of networking within the Baltimore area with a lot of good friends of mine who were in the tech community here. And can you show my sales team? Can you help us build profiles? Can you help us recruit using this tool called LinkedIn? And I do think in 2011, David, LinkedIn was hitting its tipping point. It, people were mm-hmm. starting to think 
okay, there's something here. And so I just started to say yes to all these different opportunities and really started to grow the business. And I thought, wow, I can actually drive revenue this way and solve problems for people as it relates to how they show up, how they engage online and how they do business development and recruit and then brand their businesses. And that's what we've been doing ever since. And then do you, did you drift away from the HubSpot reselling or do you still do that? I did. I did. I did because uh, I would, so imagine the winter of 2011 and I'm a solopreneur and I'm thinking, hmm, I've got to learn HubSpot. HubSpot is an incredibly powerful tool today. It was pretty powerful back then, just not as powerful Mm -hmm. as it is today. And I would be out, you know, doing business development all day, talking to people. And I'd come back and I'd log into LinkedIn. I'd be like, wow, they just changed four things today on LinkedIn. Okay. I got to like figure that out. And well, let me log into HubSpot. And I would log into HubSpot. I'd be like, oh my gosh, they changed six things today. Okay. (laughs) Because these tools were just developing so quickly. And I decided that I didn't really have the brain power for both of them and that I really needed very deep expertise in whichever one I chose. And I was able to drive revenue faster with LinkedIn. Okay. And that's sort of, that's really how it started. And and it's always changing, right? And that's the beauty of it. Sure. And that's part of why we have a business. Yeah. So you started the business with one hypothesis and then the market informed you that they wanted you to serve them in a little different way than you first planned to. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I'm guessing that your firm isn't the only one who helps people with LinkedIn. Does that seem mm-hmm. like a fair assumption? Today, um, that is a very fair assumption. Eight years ago, nine years ago, there were very few of us. Sure. And so we've we've kind of worked through that a little bit. And one of the things that has always set us apart is that we have always worked with clients who needed help on the recruiting side. Oh, okay. So not just the social selling and building a profile. So we really look at it very holistically from how do you all show up? How does your team show up? So we do a lot of profile development. Then we go into the training and the coaching. We do outreach. We manage some of our clients' LinkedIn you know, work for them because they because of capacity or time. We do not use any automation for that. It's all very high touch and hand selected. And then really help people think about how they build a talent pipeline, just like they build a business development pipeline. So there's a lot of strategy involved. So a differentiator for you all is that focus on the recruiting. Yes, very much so. Mm -hmm. So what, what would be the characteristics of a perfect client for you, like revenue size, challenges, industry? We are pretty industry agnostic. We've worked with just, I I couldn't tell you how many, but I mean, just across the board, some very niche. We really like those niche businesses because I find that they're almost easier to kind of get up to speed on LinkedIn. So a great client for us is somebody who 
sees the vision for how they can unlock LinkedIn and maximize people's networks and their brand and and stand out using content. It is okay. typically somebody who's probably 15 to 20 million on up. We have some a number of very large clients that are either national and international. Okay. And they all are, if I think about some of the common attributes, not only do they have a vision and they see the power of LinkedIn, they're open-minded, right? So they're always learning and adapting their sales, marketing, and recruiting process to think about how their buyer or candidate wants to engage with them. Okay. Well, that is that is very helpful. Do you have a like a client success story you could share that kind of embodies? And if you need to share it anonymously, that's fine. But that might I find the stories are just more interesting mm-hmm. and easier to remember. So, mm-hmm. does uh, one come to mind? Absolutely. Actually, a couple come to mind. One is a very small company that needed to hire has a contract locally in Baltimore with a state organization, they needed to hire a certain number of people. It's in process right now, actually. And they need to do it by August 15th. We started working with them. And within three weeks, they had hired seven people from our outreach. So us sourcing the prospective candidate, them taking it over and then starting a call and um, bringing those people on board. So So your team, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but your team actually handled the sourcing for those. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're doing, we're doing the, we understand who that client is that they're, or that candidate is that they're looking for. So whether it's, okay, who's your client or who's your ideal candidate, we're then going to find those people. And we're hand selecting them and then handing it off to the client. So we're starting outreach. Let's get them connected so that you down the road, even if they're not interested today, six months from now, maybe, you know, and you need to hire more people just like that, or you want to do business with people just like that, they're already in your network. So we're big believers of building strategic networks. That's what we help our clients do. And so that's just one that is kind of quick quick turnaround um, story. And we're still in the process of that campaign. Colleen, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I was just trying to catch you before you told about the larger client. Can I just ask you a question about that? Cause I'm fascinated. Sure. So I actually, I worked for an executive search firm about 25 years ago and they were a retained search firm, but one of their differentiators was that they would let a client hire them a la carte. So that if the client just wanted like names of people for their internal recruiters to call, they would, they could do that if they wanted to take it further, if they wanted to go all the way through the whole process. So they were very uh, flexible and that was part of their kind of value proposition. And they also tended to charge sort of more by the time. So they really made, had a lot of traction with like, like a really big firms who would come to them and say, yeah, we just need to know the 20 VPs of sales in our, like in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do the work and get them the names a few days later and send them a bill for a thousand dollars. And they were just delighted. So do you find that the work you're doing, that some clients are comparing you 
to the alternative of using a search firm? And if so, do they, what's kind of your value proposition compared to using more of a traditional search firm? Yeah, really great, great question. So sometimes you know, people are talking and sometimes they're even using other search firms. And what we're also trying to do when we're looking at a recruiting project or they need to be hiring is how their profiles are set up. Are they talking about their culture and their profiles? Mm. Are they using their LinkedIn company page to, to show the culture to maybe do employee spotlights, for example? So we we are, uh. you know, we we really do lead everything from LinkedIn. And we believe that candidates, prospects, customers are checking, you know, people out on LinkedIn and they want to know how people show up and what they say about themselves and what they say about their company, who works there. It's all very transparent today, right? right. So, you know, if the CEO says, well, why do I need to have, why do I need to talk about culture in my LinkedIn profile? My answer is, you can be sure a candidate and especially somebody probably if you're you know trying to hire i don't know a cfo or a vp of sales or a chief marketing officer or an hr person they're going to be looking at your linkedin profile because they may be looking to understand who you are who they would be working for and so whether business development or recruiting it's very similar to me it's all the all the same best practices and we want that culture to come out in people's profiles just like we want their personalities to come out so people get to know them a little bit i think that's really important on the recruiting side today that is so interesting i never thought about that aspect of the recruiting function of that culture demonstration and personality demonstration and and uh, giving people a sense of who the company is because yeah that's that's become an even more important part and so anyway so thank you i, I appreciate you letting me interrupt to dive in there because i was i i would have not learned about this if not for that so thank you sure. so now you're going to tell me about your larger client is kind of a success story Right. So we have we have one client we've been working with for a number of years and we have worked with them in a number of ways. And business development is one of those ways. So we have worked with more than probably 250 to 275 of their uh, people in the field. If I think we can call, say that. And on business development, on their business development efforts. And in even during COVID, we never stopped prospecting. We they saw revenue, a revenue gain, all new revenue of over two million dollars. Wow. And you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, with COVID, what should we do? And you know, it's been it's been a very tumultuous, you know, year and a half. And People were like, how do I sell? What do I do? I'm like, you, you've got to cultivate. You've got to really nurture your first level connections. You've got to ask for those introductions. You you need to keep selling because you need to keep your business going, especially small business. You know, when you can, certainly some industries, we were not prospecting to some industries, you know, don't want to, we wanted to be sensitive and respectful of what was happening in particular industries. For those where 
They were navigating everything that happened in 2020 pretty well. We did continue prospecting and our client had great results. And we were able to drop their client acquisition costs by over 48%. Wow. So that was a pretty significant number. So you increased the, you increased revenue and mm-hmm. reduced the cost to acquire mm-hmm. that revenue. Correct. And I'm guessing your fee was less than the $2 million that you value you added. Is that a safe assumption? Fortunately for them, unfortunately for us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's one of those things in the long run that uh, that's, uh, that works out. I mean, there's worse things than be known as, as of all of our strategic partners, this is the one that is has the best value proposition. Right. There's- right. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it comes back to so very often, and not all of our engagements, David, go that way, right? Not all of them. Not do We, we don't see success like that for, for all of our clients. And it often goes back to have they defined what their value proposition? Do they have good branding? Are the people experts who are, you know, in the business development sales roles? You know, so it goes back very often to do people actually want to talk to the people on their front lines? Do they, you know, sometimes somebody will say to me, what, what results am I going to get? And I can't guarantee. I said, I, I don't always know. I actually, I don't know who likes you in your network or, you know, I like, I haven't heard you on a, in a sales conversation and how strong is your personal brand? Are you that expert? And all of this comes into play when we're working with clients. Sure. So what do you find to be the most satisfying part of your of your role or the, the work that your company does? We have the most fascinating clients doing fascinating work. And we get to talk to them all the time. And I mean, even interviewing, we do a lot of profile development and just interviewing them and hearing about their businesses. It's a little bit like having, you know, as we're talking about podcasting in a few minutes, right? It's it's like doing a podcast and just asking people about what sets them apart and why why they chose that business and and how they got started. And oh my goodness, we hear we just have the most fascinating conversations. And working with those types of businesses and leaders, it's just great fun. So we're always learning. Yeah, I, I love serving entrepreneurial companies. It's it's so inspiring and interesting and and you know, and they're the lifeblood of our economy. So it's just great to to play some small role in their uh, success. Mm-hmm. So was there any before we turn to your podcast, was there anything else about your consult? Oh, Intero, what does the name mean? Where did it come from? So if you remember back to the beginning of our conversation and the whole HubSpot piece in tarot, you know, the hardest part about, I think, starting a company these days or in the last decade is coming up with a name where the URL URL hasn't already been taken. Right. And we had to go to, to um, Italian and Intero is Italian and it means complete or whole. And oh, wow. my first tagline was 
where sales and marketing intersect. And our and our graphic icon was, you know, a very kind of creative, kind of abstract circle, you know, obviously connecting at the top. So that was that's how we named it. And and I think although our tagline is not that any longer, it still makes sense for the work that we do. That we're trying to bring it all together on LinkedIn so that people can really not only stand out on LinkedIn, but enable LinkedIn to unlock whatever business initiative is most important to them. Branding, business development, and recruiting. We kind of land in those three places. Got you. Well, yeah, thank you for for telling me the origin of the name. Was there anything that you wish I'd asked you about Intero before we turn to the podcast? The only other thing is, I always say this in full disclosure, we're woman-owned, obviously, and a family business. So my three daughters and my son-in-law, we all work together. That is uh, that is awesome. What what has been the best thing about working with all of your family or having so much family involved? Seeing how each person's skill set, their gifts and talents can can help grow something, and and just watching them all develop as professionals and just seeing how. Even at a young age, they're all in their 20s. You know, they're very often talking to a CEO who's running a $400 million company and they're explaining how and coaching that person on something related to LinkedIn. So it's interesting to really see them emerge and have a voice and then really contribute at a very high level according to how they're to their strengths. Oh, wow. That that's a great answer. I was I was expecting something a little bit different, but that's uh, that is what, really a great answer. What were you expecting? Oh, I was expecting <laughs> um, more just around that you you're able to spend more time with them because you're working with them. It's like strengthen your relationship. It you know just kind of some of those sort of intangibles. But I like your answer better than the answer I imagined. So well thank you all for that. of that all of that David does go with it. We're a pretty tight bunch. Okay. Now the question <laughs> the question I'm not going to ask you is anything negative about challenges or whatever because I just don't even want to ask the question. So I'd rather move on to the podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> um so tell us about the the podcast. So what is the name of it and what prompted you to start it? So the podcast is Stand Out on LinkedIn, Indispensable Truths, Tools, and Tips. Okay. And this is actually a recent kind of rebranding of our original podcast that we launched 20, 2019, early 2019. And that was called Indispensable and sort of playing off the in, you know, the in, in tarot, you know, it was never intentional, but originally, but then we started to go with it. So Indispensable and that original podcast, about 45 episodes, actually we did about 32 episodes of that going into 2020 
And that was an interview format. So interview people that I've networked with over the years, other business owners, people that we worked on their profiles, et cetera. And once, once COVID hit, we were so, we were a little bit overwhelmed because we were doing a lot of training and helping people with business development that I just, I was like, we have to pause the podcast. Mm, And it was just, it's a lot. It's such a big commitment, just like the blogging, because we've been blogging since probably 2012 or 2013. So the blogging, you know, the content has always been really, really important to us. And then last year, I was working with a consultant who said, you really need to have a book. And I was like, a book? Oh my gosh, I, I can't, I can't do a book. And he's like, you have to do a book. So I wrote a book and then, and a lot of the book was around standing out. So when we decided to start the podcast back up, we decided, you know what, we should really kind of work off of sort of the theme of the book and this idea of standing out. Ah. So we've done this year so far, we've done... 12 episodes we're doing two a month okay yeah that's a that's a great cadence so has the book been published yet the book is on amazon it's been published yes and what's um, the name of it it's called it's business not social and Ah, i like it you know and that's really kind of our our tagline that really has become the tagline most people whether they agree with that or not, they're like, oh, yeah, it's business, not social, right? That's what you always say. And that's what I really believe. And I talk a lot about that. So that seemed to make be the natural title for the book. But within that, it's about how do you create you know, this? How do you stand out? And, and LinkedIn's noisy these days, right? There's a lot going on on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn these days. Right. And it... But it's still imperative to stand out on LinkedIn, even within your own network. So it's right. not about standing out on LinkedIn. It's really about standing out through your own network and, and making sure that that network is, is the desired network for your business objectives. So the when we relaunched the podcast, we decided we would do it internally only. So I interview somebody on our team because each person on our team, they each have different expertise. So I've got, so some people on the team, for example, Sydney, Liza, Meredith, they spend all day in Sales Navigator. Jim works more in LinkedIn Recruiter and Sales Navigator. Sarah, she's more in the, you know, the campaign manager and creating content. So we kind of just framed it instead of interviewing external people, we decided let's just talk more about LinkedIn um, in terms of how to help people create that strategy and then implement. And I like that. Mm-hmm. What, have been, what have been the what have been some of the benefits of of that shift and that focus on internal? Well, one is really the scheduling. And just oh, sure. being, you know, just because of bandwidth, just being able to say, okay, these are the days that we're doing the podcast, you know, and Sydney said to me the other day, 
yeah, you didn't give me much time to prepare. And I said, you know, I don't really have to because there's really no question that I could ask you about Sales Navigator that you couldn't answer. So I didn't need to, we don't need to do as much prep. Sure. Because it's the tool that everybody's in all the time. And they have such deep expertise. And so that's helpful. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, when you say it's helpful, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes it just, you know, in scheduling other people to interview and making sure you have your lineup all set. I, you know, I do a lot of training and coaching. So my calendar is pretty, it's always moving, right? There's always a lot Mm -hmm. on there and as everybody else's is. So I just found it was a lot always prepping to get the podcast ready. Right. And making sure everybody had was up to speed. They knew not only the links they needed, but some people wanted to be really prepared. Other people wanted, were like, oh, I didn't look, even look at the questions. So it was, I, I just tried to simplify it. And I felt like I could simplify it if we just kept it with on, within our team. That's, that's great. And does, does your team appreciate the additional exposure or... Uh... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I guess exposure. Well, that's funny you should say that because I said to everybody we were talking about at a team meeting on Monday, and I said, you know, really one of the goals is that it all helps you elevate your personal brand and showcase your expertise. And they all kind of laughed. I think that they do understand that, that though, and do appreciate that. They have so much knowledge and they see so much because they're working with so many different clients all the time. That's helpful for clients to hear about what works for other people or, mm-hmm. you know, a different way to approach it or even small, tiny shifts in messaging. And because they're working with clients all over the country, like we see different results for clients based on their geographic location. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So messaging that we use, for example, in in some metro markets, doesn't resonate in smaller markets. Huh. So, you know, we're kind of taking all of that insight and sharing that with clients so that if, if they don't get the success that they thought that they would get, or like, you know, I, I had coffee with somebody this morning and she said, I'm just not getting people to engage with my content. So then, you know, we just have the perspective to say maybe maybe our next question that we would ask would be different than somebody who doesn't know as much about LinkedIn. So, oh, that's bad. LinkedIn doesn't work. Right. Maybe there are other better questions to ask or to consider. Okay. I I can appreciate that. What do you enjoy the most about having a podcast? What do I, uh, you know, when it was the, so I'm interviewing either way. So right now I'm interviewing people on our team and prior it was in interviewing outside of our team. So I think what I enjoy the most is asking the questions and hearing other people's insights. Yeah, that's my favorite uh, part as well because it's just so 
just so fascinating. And it's a platform that creates that setting because like in just the social setting, you know, after your fifth or sixth question, people feel kind of self-conscious and that they should be asking you questions. Mm-hmm. But in that format, they're, they're expecting that. And, and it, I find it to be um, very enjoyable and, and being able to kind of help them tell their story, like with clients that we have on, because this, their stories are oftentimes really, uh, really impressive. And I find, you know, just to play off of that for a second, and this comes out a lot when we're doing profile development, you know, I'll say, so tell me what else or what was, what was, what changed the trajectory of your business or your career or what was the highlight? And very often they'll play that down. I'll be like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. That's great. And very often, you know, because they, people have lived their own lives, right? Like they don't see it as pretty amazing, but very often they just need to be reminded, wow, that's Mm -hmm. really cool. That's, that's awesome. If you could go back in time to when you were about to launch your podcast, if you could do it all over again, would you still uh, do the podcast? I would. I absolutely would. I I would say what we did the second time when we relaunched is we outsourced some of the, you know, the editing and putting it all together and all of that. We outsourced that because the person that was managing that on our team left has come back, but, but left. So I, I needed to come up with a new solution and we're still using that person because you you think, oh, how hard can this be? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a big commitment. And so I probably would, ha- I what I would do differently is I would plan it out a little bit more and get a little bit further out in terms of episodes. I'm not okay. somebody who needs to, I'm not that planner of a person. I'm like, okay, let's just start it. Let's just like iterate it as we go. Sure. And that fits my personality, doesn't necessarily fit everybody else's personality. And so I probably, that's what I would do different. Maybe a little bit more research. Maybe, maybe I would have initially outsourced, you know, some of the various components just to make it easier. Sure. What, what advice would you give to somebody who's considering starting a podcast? Or what questions would you say that they need to ask themselves? Well, first of all, I think if you start to go online and start to do research, which I did do, and I think I even joined a, you know, a, a learning site about podcasting, it's overwhelming. The tools and the ways to do it and go about it, and, and that I find overwhelming. So I would find somebody who has launched a podcast and like you know get their suggestions on best tools to use and okay. and ways to go about it because i think you can you can and you know i just said i'm not the person that really does all of the planning i just try to start it i try to have the base tools that i need and then figure it out from there but i do think i i'm somebody who likes to get referrals oh you've used this tool like I love this. Like this platform that we're using right now, David, I've never heard of it. I love it. It's like so simple, so great. Okay. And 
that, you know, like just knowing what people have been are who are successful podcasting, what they're using and, and simplifying it, I think is important. That's, That's what I would uh, tell them to do. That is great advice. And I, th- and I agree with it completely. So as we kind of head down the home stretch of this interview, was there any anything you wish I'd asked you about your podcast that I didn't? Well, here's one, because this is something um, we talk about all the time. You didn't ask me how long it was. And that is one of the most difficult things, I think, to figure out. How long should the podcast be? Our Somebody on our team said, I think it should be no longer than a two-mile run. <laughs> I was like, I okay. Like now, my two-mile run is going to be way longer than his two-mile <laughs> run. <laughs> sure. So, but it was a good range. And, and so, you know, that... I think is something that we've continually toyed with. Like sometimes you're in this great conversation and you're like, wow, that just went 45 minutes. Do we split that into two, you know, and then sometimes it's, you know, 26 minutes. Is that okay? I did one last week just by myself and I think it was 16 minutes. And does it always have to be the same one? Yeah, that is really great insight. And that's a great reminder for people who are considering starting a podcast is to remember that many of your listeners are going to be listening while they're exercising or while they're doing uh, errands, chores, driving. So to you know, have that uh, in mind that, that it's going to be, the at least in my experience, it's going to be the rare listener who's going to sit down in a quiet room and put on noise canceling headphones and just give you and just give you their full attention for an hour. Exactly. I and that's such a great way to think about it. You know, go back to the two minute run. I typically listen to podcasts when I'm walking the dog. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a dog that could walk four miles, and now I have a puppy that's eleven weeks old and who you know, I haven't even taken her around the block yet. Right. So, you know, but I do feel that people choose a place or an activity and that's when they listen to podcasts. So I know Jim, when he runs, he's listening to podcasts and he listens to a ton of podcasts when I'm walking or I'm on, or driving somewhere where it's probably going to be more than 30 minutes, I typically listen to a podcast. So knowing like who your audience is, what are some of those activities that they're doing? I hadn't really thought about it before, but it does make sense. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I really like your thinking there. So two questions before we wrap up. So the first is, what breed is your dog, your new pup? She is an English cream golden retriever. Oh, those are so beautiful. And the pups are just uh, <laughs> dazzling. I, it's, she's mesmerizing, I have to say. She yeah. really, they're just so darling, right? You never, you never go look at a litter of golden retriever puppies without a checkbook. <laughs> right. Because you'll never leave without one, for sure. Yeah. 
we have good friends of ours in Houston that have one. And that's, in fact, the first time I had I had actually heard of that version of the Golden Retriever because, you know, they were just so white or so light mm-hmm. color. I don't know if it's quite white, but it's, you know, very light and, uh, and just such a sweet, sweet dog. Watson is that dog's name. And what's oh. your English cream's name? Her name is Gibbs. So if you're familiar with the show NCIS. Yes. The main character is Jethro Gibbs. And my husband and daughters have watched every episode of NCIS throughout the 18 years it's been on. And so in honor of Jethro Gibbs, her name is Gibbs. That's awesome. So that one out over Jethro, I guess. (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) That's great. So the last question if you could go back in time until like you were 20 or 25 years old and give that younger self some advice, what advice might you give yourself? Oh, I love that question. Um, I borrowed it from Tim Ferriss. So, so don't give me too much credit. All right. Still a good question. The advice that I would give myself back then would be continue to surround yourself with really smart creative, interesting people, and you will always have good conversations. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Colleen, I really appreciate your time. And I think you've had just a wealth of knowledge on your business, LinkedIn, podcasting experience, podcasting ideas, podcasting advice. And so I'd say we have, we've checked all the boxes. So if people want to learn more, do you accept LinkedIn requests? I absolutely do. And I would I, I had a feeling that you were gonna say yes to that. However, how I like else? them personalized. Okay. So just say that you listen to this podcast and and I'll be sure to accept. Okay. That that sounds great. If other than LinkedIn, if people want to reach out to you and learn more about Intero. How would you suggest they do so? Um, our website, Intero, I-N-T-E-R-O, advisory.com. And we okay. have a ton of content there. So lots of tips and tools and resources um, all available. So anybody who's you know interested in learning a little bit more about how to use LinkedIn, we've got a ton on our, on our website. And the and then is the the podcast can that be accessed from there too? Yes, absolutely. Right yeah. under media, but I think we're making a switch. We're doing a little bit of some changes to our website, so that might just be under resources in the coming weeks. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Colleen, I really, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, come on the podcast. I've I've really enjoyed it and I just can't thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. Likewise, such a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I hope you have a great rest of the day. And you as well. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.com.
www.thinkingdigital.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.